guys, I gave blood today. Whoa. I've never done that before. You've never given blood? It's so much fun. I'm I'm terrified of needles. Cooler? Why are all these people scared of needles? You're not scared of needles? No, I watch it go in. It makes me stronger. Oh, ooh. I can't. I literally, now? I'll be like, like walk in super cool. Be like, what's up? And sit down. Like, how you doing? And they pull out the needle and I like grab their arm and like look away and like. No, it's fun. You've, you've seen the blood come out of your arm before? When it goes through the tube. Yeah. It just, it just shoots right in there. It's fun. So, so I'm with you, Sierra. In my mind, I'm watching them for compliance. Not that I know what not being in compliance is, but I'm always like, <laughs> is it going in the right way? Let me look. Okay. Is it at the right speed? Okay. What are you going to do with that blood? Like, what am I going to do? I don't know. No. But in my mind, I have to see it. I'm like, it makes me stronger. Like I picture like the tiny needle going in my arm reminds me it like it makes me feel like I'm like in the middle of a war zone. And like I just got hit with like a frag grenade and now I'm in the medic tent and they're like, listen, listen, we're going to have to set your arm. And I'm like, do it, do it, just do it. And then they <laughs> like um, it's preparing me for that. It's all about prep. It's all about prep. It's all about prep. What did I walk in on? There you are. Oh, I thought we'd have to do the show without you, Brandon. Mm-hmm. Podcasting will, will be put real. Grandpa and chill, grandson and friends. Podcasting will, grandpa and chill, will be put real, grandson and friends. With your host, Grandpa Bart and Brandon Fox, Finest Jackson and Sierra Doss. This is Grandpa and Chill. It's nice. You get free snacks, Brandon. Yeah. Free snacks. You don't have to try to cook them yourself. It just the one I have, the one in my town, like down the road, they have like a popcorn machine. Well, I don't, I don't know if they're still making popcorn because of COVID, but they used to have a popcorn machine right in there, and it was so nice. Do they season the snacks? Yeah, they got some salt. They got some. They got some popcorn. You'll salt. be fine, Brandon. Great. Right. I almost, I almost passed out once actually. Really? Yeah. So I can't. From popcorn. Yeah. yeah. From the season? From, from from the salt, yeah. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I've actually always wanted to give blood. Um, I'm anemic. I always try to like up my stuff, but they won't let me do it. Dang. But whenever I do see them, I'm just like, well, can I just have the snack and the shirt? Is that okay? <laughs> no. Right? no. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, take my no. platelets, anything, please. <laughs> you don't want to just look at it. You want to count it. <laughs> the shirt is really cute. You sure? No. All right. Can All you right. just buy it? That can you just sell it to me? Like they do have good merch. Like I tried. When I was in high school, my friend gave me some like Red Cross blankets. They were like these really thick fleece blankets, and I still can't find them anymore. And I'm like mad every time I think about it. They're like these perfect giant fleece blankets. And I'm pretty okay. sure my dog ruined them or stole them. I don't know. But I still haven't found them. But they were really they're just the perfect, the perfect just blanket. the perfect blanket. Red Cross yeah. puts in the effort. Yeah. What's this uh, live show about, Brandon? What are we doing here? What's, what's going on? I mean, I just just want to know. I didn't. Not that I'm <laughs> expecting we? anything. So this is a podcast where we sort of um, connect intergenerationally uh, with uh, the silent and the millennial generation. Have conversations you usually don't hear from people around the world. So mm-hmm. we have uh, an amazing producer. Um, Got a dope an, uh, Old, old, beautiful man. Uh, a younger man and a hilarious uh, uh, comedic wit. And that's sort of the core team. Uh, 
no, th- this is to promote Melissa's uh, upcoming movie and like talk about the process and all that stuff. So, ah, okay. Which I'm super yeah. juiced about. So, <laughs> ask me any questions y'all want. And yeah. how do you want to go about it? You want me just to guy give you what I got going on, or y'all want to ask me stuff, or how do you want to do it? I just ordered a bunch of stickers from Amazon, and they're a lot smaller than I thought they were going to be. This is a, they're blank stickers. I just want to tag. I live in New York, so I want to tag the city with my art. But um, <laughs> I thought these were going to be bigger stickers, and I'm upset that I got so many small stickers. No one's going to. Everyone's going to be like, "Oh, that means it's going to be exclusive for now." Yeah, sure. <laughs> You know, you're going to be, you know, low profile. <laughs> Grandpa, do you have your phone on you? <laughs> oh, yes, I get it. Rosie, where Pulls is that? Pulls out a rodeo. Uh, <laughs> 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 like a rotary. <laughs> Y'all are mean. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> It's like a Rosetta Stone. <laughs> he gets rosy and puts like a note on her on her foot. <laughs> and then mails it back. Y'all are mean. Grandpa. Yes. Let me see the front of your phone. Oh, the front. <laughs> Rose is like a mirror. Good enough? No. What the... What did you What did you want to see his phone for? Um, I'm a I'm a Facetime in. All right. Uh, <laughs> do you see a button that says Facetime on your phone? I thought Grandpa? it was going to be like Brandon. I can't talk. I'm on a podcast. <laughs> I know. Yes, I do. All right. Oh press that button. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we're starting our podcast today, and um, we have our uh, co uh, co anchor uh, Brandon Fox and uh, myself, uh, Grandpa, and uh, Finus, a terrific uh, guy who helps with the with the broad with the podcast, and Sierra, our terrific producer, who is very smart and knows how to knows how to get things going, and uh, we have a very interesting and and uh, quite uh, creative lady on today named Melissa. Uh, so uh, go ahead, guys. You go ahead. Wonderful. <laughs> Thanks, Grandpa. That was so beautiful. Thank you. Yeah, I'm I'm a little uptight because I don't really know what to say, but I'm trying. Killed yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, you handled it. <laughs> Well, well thank y'all for having me. Sorry, I'm no. so excited. Uh, Melissa, yeah. tell us a little bit about your um, your project right now, your 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 movie. Yeah, so just for the folks out there, just want you to know, I'm super excited to be back on the episode. Um, I love this podcast, and everybody on here is really dope. Uh, my name is Melissa Muganza Murphy, and my pronouns are she, they, and sis. And my intention for this year, with everything that I have, all of my being, is to um, give folks that have experienced youth and health trauma, but a black identified a space to talk about some of the things that they've been through in the medical industry and the ways that they've been resilient and still creating families for themselves and also just healing their bodies and falling in love with their bodies again. 
And so that's what this project is about. There is a cast of 17 folk, which is really wild. No, 18, 18 folks uh, that are going to be giving their experiences and their stories all about, you know, what's happened to them from their childhood to where they are now. And I'm really honored that people are um, also excited about the project because this all started out with a conversation in November of last year, and it has grown out of this world. And I'm just really, really honored and humbled that people are uh, just really to take this journey with me. So I'm excited to talk all things Black uterine health. I'm excited to talk about the project and then also anything else that comes up because I love how we dive into so many different things. So, yeah. So, Melissa, is this presently being being televised for YouTube or anything or how, how would I how, how do we uh, actually view it? Yep. Great question. So we begin um, actual production. Right now we're in pre-production with all the paperwork and stuff. People have to sign all the NDAs and all those things. But we're actually going to be filming in August. So that's actually around the corner. Do y'all yeah. feel like 2021 is flying by? Or is it, it just it's it's crazy? Fly. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, July is next week. Jesus. Yeah. Right. My birthday's in August. I'm like, oh my God, how am I so old right now? It's It's literally tomorrow. It literally yeah. is tomorrow. So we're literally filming in August. And then we're going to go into post-production. And the goal is to premiere it locally here in Sacramento during Black History Month next year. Okay. And then from there, look for various outlets. So we're going to submit it to some festivals and see how it does and submit it to some um, college campuses to see if they want to invite us in to have conversation. Wow. Circulates from there. But yeah. Uh, how long have you been working on this idea and this story for, for okay, making so it a here, movie? Sorry. Here, here's the thing. Here is the whole thing. It wasn't the intention. It wasn't the intention at all. I actually was in conversation with um, some local folks about submitting my own actor profile to them to see if they had any openings. And when we had conversation, they flipped it around on me and said, why are you even submitting to be in the background of a film when you can create your own film and be the star of it? And I was like, what are you talking about? This is not what I signed up for. This is not what I wanted to talk about. Like, I came to see where the money resides with y'all. Yeah. And they were like, no, it's really about, you know, allowing people to have an outlet for their own creative talent. Wow. And they literally asked me, what's the story you feel like isn't being told? And I knew right then and there, I was like, oh, Black uterine health. There's not enough conversation about it. Visually, there's none. So they were like, you should take the lead on that. I'm like, didn't come here for that. Didn't come here for that. <laughs> And literally since that day, um, the idea has grown and it's been, it was birthed at that moment. And now we're here getting who, ready to go into filming. Who was this? What company did, did you go through this with? Yep. So it's a, um, a, a, a couple. Their name is Lisa and Kelly. And one of them works in theater production and the other one works for the state um, here in California doing compliance work for an organization. And they have been acting and working in theater for like the past 20 years, they have their own theater company. I forget the name of it, but I met them through a friend of a friend. Mm -hmm. And so I was literally submitting my profile for their theater company. And we're like, you know what? We have another idea. Wow. So, How nice of them. <laughs> I know. I know. So now when things are happening, I always text them like, hey, y'all, this is where I'm at. And it's, it's beautiful. It's really beautiful. Um, so, how long ago was that? That you so that had was that conversation? That was in November of 2020. Mm -hmm. So and now we're here in June. So I know that you've like, I know you explained this last time you were here 
but um for for people who have it who who didn't listen or maybe they forgot because it was a, a few weeks ago um why why is this so important to you or why do you feel like this is something this is an issue for for you know like our non-black womb bearers why do you feel like this is such an important issue or why is this is something that's you know being left to the wayside yeah so i'll give you on my personal journey so i myself um, am a fibroid survivor um, I found out I had fibroids uh, through a nurse that's actually no longer with us, who was Black identified, who told me what I had and when medical clinicians had no name for it. Mm-hmm. And um found out I had fibroids in 2011 through her. Her name is Susan. I want to give her her flowers. Um, Susan, um, where I was having, I was taking birth control at the time and my body had a negative response. And I went to the clinician and they, their response to my issue was, let me give you more birth control. Mm. I was like, so it didn't work. The baby amount that you gave me didn't work, but you're telling me to double it. And it's supposed to like work. Um, So I ended up having um, extensive bleeding for eight months straight. And I remember like not wanting to wear anything outside of the color black. It was hard to drive. It was hard to go to work. And especially it's hard to like try to be intimate relationships or situations and so I was like really really down and sad and felt like my body was like falling apart and I called my mom who was really big into herbs and natural healing she just like we don't have to get meds from the hospital let's not and so she uh, called Susan who is a nurse who was a nurse and she said oh I know exactly what you have you have fibroids and I was like what is that and she was like oh these are non-cancerous tumors that lie in the uterine wall that is really found in black folks. Like this is a thing. And I was like, where do they come from? She was like, there's no research of where they come from. We just know that mostly black folks have them and they can allow people to be infertile. They can allow people to have, you know, different types of cancer. They can sometimes make people feel like they're pregnant up to night. They're really not. They just have this tumor lying in there. And then a whole a host of body other don't talk about about that I went on this like massive journey of like trying to find some type of resolve and I found a host of black folks that were like oh yeah me too my aunt my grandma my neighbor my best friend me and then people you didn't tell me it was like a history of families not telling each other that they were struggling through this so that's really where all of this came from is like my desire to bring awareness I had heard about this, but I didn't realize that it was predominantly in the uh, minority or black uh, group of people. Mm-hmm. I, I wasn't mm-hmm. aware of that, but I have had heard of it. Um, actually, um, I don't know if it would be helpful to you, but Brandon's uh, sibling, his sister, writes for a medical journal, and um, she ha- she discusses issues like this. You can have you know an article published. Yeah, I think it's important to know, like you said, too, like black folk that have these challenges, but it is primarily black folk that have found uh, have been found with these challenges. So that's the thing, too. Like, so for folks that are like, I'm not black identified about this or why it's important to me is because it can happen to anybody of any any race, any ethnic background. It could happen. But because there's no research. That's the reason that this documentary is in place, because it limiting what people can 
and no one's here to resolve it. Melissa, are you go ahead? Oh, sure. you, you just said that people close to each other didn't even know, like within families. What What is that? Like, why were they not? Is it shame? Is it like an embarrassing thing because it's so personal? Or? Well, I mean, anything that has to, have to do with like a people feel the most confident talking about it or anything yeah. that makes you feel like you're functioning the way people say it's supposed to function. People don't. Right. Um, and so there's like shame guilt and body dysmorphia where you're just not comfortable with your body or you feel like your body isn't functioning properly and so you just don't want to talk about it and then there's some things that people feel are just personal like i only want to deal with the external what's going on in business you know grandma think most- they don't necessarily <laughs> you know internally you know i think most people are uh, self-conscious about talking about health problems, you know, mm-hmm. about themselves. Uh, most people are, you know, you, just something that uh, you feel uncomfortable discussing generally. I think it's getting more open. People are becoming more open about it because, you know, everybody's got issues. I think yeah, that's, also, that's right. Yeah. Zier, go ahead. Um, I just, I think there's also just, another like layer of it is just the there's so little information available to you know girls young women um others about like their bodies and changing especially people who do like have a uterus or like a um like a womb bear like you said Mm -hmm. um there's so little information about it and there like you said there is such like a stigma around even discussing it or like acknowledging that you have one even when you clearly do have one you know, like I know a lot of times, like, like I went to a Catholic high school and we didn't do any of that. We had an, we had a, we had a full, we had a full student body auditorium meeting once a year where some random celebrity guest speaker would come and talk to us about chastity. And that was the extent of it. Mm-hmm. And, and so that was it. That was literally it. It's, inc- it's, it's, it's delightful. And so there were a lot of things like when I was growing up that I just like didn't know. And I would just be like, hmm, this is happening. Well, I hope that's okay. I'll find out. I'll find out eventually if it was a terrible thing, if I'm dying or not, I guess, you know, and I, you know, as a child, you just assume that, you know, if there was something really important and like essential to you, like literally living, they would tell you about it, but they just won't. (laughs) They just won't. They just won't. They just won't. And it's, it's interesting too. I mean, we can even get is is in deep into like why don't we talk more about like sex freely and um and being a sexual being and and things with our bodies you know we can really get into that too but i mean just think about folks that come from like high or hyper cultural homes where you know families say you're not supposed to be thinking that and it's like why wouldn't i think about that or they just feel uncomfortable talking about it so even if you're inquisitive about it they're not talking about that not at dinner not at lunch not on weekends it's just yeah mm-hmm. it's it's just really interesting and i think what did it for me was when i looked up my sister had challenges my mom had challenges aunt had challenges and not one of us told each other until i was asking around about fibroids and then it just started flooding like oh yeah your aunt your cousin your sister i was like what are you talking about yeah yeah, I, I apologize, but the volume is pretty low 
on my headphones. And mm -hmm. did did I understand understand you to 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 say anything about the your prognosis as far as uh, what what you can do to 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 help your own situation? Yep, and so that's why that's why this patient for two because what happens is when you go to the doctor, right? For black folks that are going to the doctor for fibroids, they give you two options, which is the um, you can do partial or full removal of your uterus, so that's all of the good stuff that holds the baby, or you can go on like hormone therapy. You can take different types of hormones. What's your what's your they have the same outcomes. Some people get like um, the bloating. Some people get like really bad acne. Some people have horrible a host of things that happen. So depending on what your your you know your jam is, you'll pick that. But for myself, my remember Susan said, "Oh, let me tell you about reduce your hormone intake and to clean up your totally going to change your life." Vegan cleanse for three months. And I stopped bleeding in two weeks. I was oh, bleeding wow. for eight months and I stopped bleeding in two weeks. And I thought the doctor never said that. The doctor never even asked like, hey, let's look about your water intake. Let's look about your diet. Let's look into, are you stressed? Let's look into, you know, do you, none of the holistic plant-based options to see if that would be an option for me. And then I didn't qualify for hysterectomy because at the time I was in my 20s and I was literally told from another woman identified doctor, you're probably going to want to have a baby. So I'm just going to deny you. And so I said, oh, really one of my interests, I, I want to, you know, come into parenthood a different way. They were like, mm -mm. we don't want you to regret this decision. So it's a no. And so that frustrated me because people are adults and can make their own decisions. But the other thing too is like, why aren't there holistic measures being taken to heal this? Because we're clearly not born with this ailment, which means it grew over time. So something is being injected in our bodies that's making it grow. And I had a lot of questions about that. And because, you know, depending on the type of clinician you are, you learn very specific. Every doctor is a dietitian, right? Or in the holistic practice or you know, no things outside of the scope of the body that they went to school to get credential for. Like if I'm a knee doctor, then I'm, I'm messing with all the knees, right? I'm not doing uh, uterine health or arm health or head health, right? I'm just focused on knees. And so you start asking questions about alternative options and they're like, mm, I don't know. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, Melissa, I know you did this last time, but is it cool if you just give an explanation of like fibroids and like the sort of actual descriptions and stuff like that. For yeah. That are unfamiliar. Yep. No worries. So fibroids are benign tumors. So non-cancerous tumors that can range in um, a size of a pea, like a little green pea or a size of a grapefruit. It can range in that size. And what happens is people can have them in the line uterus outside of their uterus or inside their uterus and they're basically like little mucus based cysts that sit there and what happens is depending on if you have a want to have a baby or uh, if you do have a period those fibroids those tumors get in the way of both of those things and mm. so some people have faced miscarriages because the baby is literally fighting to grow next to this grapefruit or a bunch of grapefruits and there's no space right. for the baby to grow mm. Or um, 
as the period takes place, there's a lining that's supposed to close and it can't close because these little grapefruits are in the way. And so depending on what's going on, that could happen. You may have heard this term though, uh, endometriosis. Does that sound more familiar? It does sound yeah. familiar, yeah. Mm-hmm. Or um, I think Gabrielle Union was really vocal about her process, adamiosis. Mm-hmm. Um, so the all of those are all related to these non-cancerous cysts that grow in the uterus that prohibit um, being able to hold a baby or get pregnant or birth the baby. They're non-cancerous, yeah. but I imagine it's painful, right? Like, they... Yeah. And depending on like how you choose to, you know, if you want to have surgery, if you want to just remove those and not the uterus, you know, depending what you want to do, there's so many more options now, which is tight, um, but still the, the development of them is what people don't know. They just kind of show up to the doctor and it's like, oh yeah, you have them. And it's like, but how did I get them? And they're like, mm-hmm. I'm still trying to like do the mental math to math the math. The, the math isn't mathing. I'm still trying to figure out like the doctor that told you, mm, we have some solutions, but you may want a baby. So we're just not going to try anything. Like yeah. you're like, you know, like I, I'm just trying to figure out, like where would the baby go? You might have, a, you might want a baby. What? Where? How? What are we? So what how is the was solution? I do that? How are you going to have a baby if the baby can't even survive within your uterus? Yep. Mm-hmm. You see that headache you're having? See that headache? You see how you were holding it? It's so frustrating. Yeah. It's so frustrating. Yeah. Like it, it is. Like it's it's just so frustrating because there's like. There's, you know, there's, there's a lot, there's like a fine line between being like an, like a health advocate for yourself and being one of those obnoxious patients that acts like the doctor doesn't know what they're doing. But like when the Mm -hmm. doctor, when like your medical professionals are just outwardly ignoring your problems, like you might want to have a baby one day. So just keep bleeding randomly for the next, you know, eight to 25 months and just, just see, just see how you feel, just see how you feel and just see what happens. You know, yeah, have you ever, have you, are you familiar with a Christmas miracle? You know, maybe work on that, that, you know, December's coming up. Like it, it's, it, it. it's wild and you'd be surprised. So, um, I was, I was super nervous to put out a casting call because my, cause I'm usually answering the casting call myself, submitting my own docs. And so when I put out my own, I was like, is anybody out there? So, you know, and people start submitting and I hear all these, I got all these DMs and all these emails, people that are like, Oh my gosh, somebody understands. Um, thank you so much for doing this. I'm too ashamed to submit, but I'll definitely go to the launch. I'll go to the movie. I'll reshare it. And then of course, my grandfather, my my grandmother, my all the and what was really important for me is, which is why I say room holders, mm-hmm. is to uplift our non-binary and trans folks that are also facing similar situations, um, but are also facing a different additional layers of discrimination in the medical field. And so I, if I can't even go to my doctor and they respect me as a patient, right? I, I can't even get my needs met. I can't even be seen in the way that I need to be seen. How can I even tell you that there's other stuff going on? So uh, it's really important for me to uplift, you know, Black womb holders and really open up the conversation about uh, uterine health overall. Absolutely. Yeah. Melissa, uh, you have you mentioned doing a casting call. Mm-hmm. Uh, approximately how many people are in your cast? Yeah. So there is 18, including myself. 18. There's 18. Mm-hmm. And, and those are all from the casting the call? Cameraman and 
director and everybody. That's quite a few more people, isn't it? Yeah. So some of the folks on the production team are also going to be in the cast, which which nice. is two, which is two folks. And then, of course, we have folks that are actually the cinematographer will not be. But yeah, so um, I'm super excited. And all of those people, Brandon, are from the casting call. They have to all submit a two minute video, which is interesting because when I had them submit the video, I let them know like, oh, y'all are all officially like actors now. And they were like, shut up. Okay, this is kind of <laughs> cool. So uh, that's I feel like it's my own version of like activism, right? Jewel activism. Absolutely. To show up and create a space and an opportunity for people to share their story and to find healing. For some of these folks, they've never said this out loud. They've just been kind of mm-hmm. like battling this in silence. And then I saw, did y'all watch Malcolm and Marie by chance? Not all of it. No. Okay. If you're, if you're having a good day, don't watch it. Right. It's going to take you (laughs) to dark places. If you're having a bad day and just want to like wrap the day up in full anger, watch it. Okay. Um, But the movie's good overall. It's incredible acting, but it's an emotional roller coaster. So it's, it's going to take you to some places. But uh, what Zendaya did, which I thought was super dope, she gave her entire cast. Yeah entire crew 1% equity in the film so when it got mm. bought out by Netflix all of them got checks and so I thought that's another that's another layer so I added that same type of incentive to everybody in the cast like in the event in history right that this gets picked up by a major network each yeah. of you have spent so much time and money just trying to be seen and heard that this check is totally yours like Mm-hmm. all yours and so i wrote that into some of the ways that i'm going to be paying them out or comp- compensating them that's great what is and the length of the film yeah so the goal right now is to capture an hour and a half so 90 minutes of um, film that's including the credits and the intro and to be really creative with the stories but what i'm trying to do and it depends on again if everybody gets through the two hours of their film time because again it's emotional is that um, there is a uh, conversation after the documentary, right? So it shows, it hits people the way it needs to hit them. And then the cast get to go on tour and share their stories with folks. So I have this vision for what I'm doing. So we'll see if it gets to be executed the way that I see it. But that's the vision. It's it's cool that you were nervous that no one was going to answer the call and you got 18 oh, people to answer. Like, <laughs> yeah. Or I'm sure even more than 18 people answer. I don't know. but Yeah, I think in total I got 24, which I was like, for me? Wow. Okay. Nice. Yeah. And then, yeah, um, 18 folks. Yeah. Wow. Um, there's so much cool stuff you said that I would, I would like to get into. Um, shit. Uh, I, there's so much stuff you <laughs> said that it was like, I mean, you can go into like... I, I, like um even race and 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 um and what you were saying about diseases that we that different races get when you know everyone's human but there is like there's some things that the, the there are like people that get certain diseases and it's cool to go like look into it and, and go why because it, it's um i think it's more than just uh it's, it's definitely more than just a race thing there has to be society has to do with it and how people are treated and that also has to do with um misdiagnosed um are even having like um 
what's that control over a woman's body, uh, especially black women. I, I would think I've uh, not personally had experience because I'm not a black woman, but I do have three sisters and I have um, and I worked in the medical field. And I guess I think I definitely do see a different um, way about how they go about certain different people. Like, I, I know your body better than you. You don't know this. You don't know that. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I will. I personally would like to get more into that or hear more of your experience or your opinion on those types of things. Um, yeah. There's something else you said. I can't. You said so much great stuff. Like you really could be. I, I think we could be sitting here talking for days. I, <laughs> I honestly feel like we could. Yeah. So let me. This is my speculation, and be, and I say speculation because I don't have data to back this mm-hmm. up. Because um, you know how society likes. To yeah. Um, but my speculation, what I know to be true, my truth to power is, um, this is systemic, and um, intentional, and so. When I think about just how neighborhoods are created, right, and food deserts are put together, right, when city developers come together to to establish neighborhoods, there are specific interests based on the zip code of what should go there, right? And so some neighborhoods like to put Whole Foods, they like to put co-ops, they like to have farmer's markets, Mm -hmm. and some neighborhoods get 7-Elevens. Some neighborhoods get, um, you know, liquor stores. Same neighborhoods get check cashing places, right? It's And it's very intentionally put together, right? And then from there, some neighborhoods get houses. Some neighborhoods get apartments, right? Some neighborhoods get access to parks. Some neighborhoods get community pools, right? And so when we think about stressors that take place in communities that don't have the same type of quality of life from inception, right? The people aren't even there yet, but the intention about the inception of the neighborhood um, already puts into place some of the stressors that folks are going to combat in food and healthcare and mental health, right? Are huge, huge indicators in folks having quality of life. And that's just in general. That's not even taking into race, right? Just race or gender, just in general. And then we get into opportunities to uh, learn about health from a holistic perspective at a young age. Um, not everybody has the time and the environment to be taught about health and wellness and holistic practices at like five, right? When you're like, I need a snack. If not, I'm going to stomp through here. I'm going to cry. Everybody's <laughs> going to know that I'm hungry, I'm going to cause a scene in this store and everybody's going to know about it, right? Some people get apple slices, some people get chips, right? And so when we think about things that are like put together, human human made versus what's true and, na- and you know nature-based and what's supposed to feed us and develop us. And as we get older, we have to sit back and think like things are happening inside of our body, right? And because for communities of color, Black folks uh, were taught to uh, cope, right? If something is wrong, we just cope. We don't mm-hmm. say that something is wrong. It's a sign of weakness. It's a sign of complaining. And we don't have time to complain because there's other larger issues that, you know, that are at large. We're mm-hmm. not going to go to the doctor because yeah. one, I don't got time to go to the doctor. Who knows if I can afford to go to the doctor? And what are we going to do when we get there, right? All of that's taken into account. And so as you grow up, Things are happening to you. You're not resolving them. You're just coping with whatever mechanism you put into play. And then here you are as an adult, right? You never were taught to to advocate for yourself. And then you get to an adult and things are happening to you. What do you do? You cope again until you can't. 
And if and if you can, you may see, you know, seek out medical support. And then depending on the diagnosis, you just take it from there. So for me, when it, when I realized that diet alone changed my entire outcome and how I could handle this, I knew something was up. Right. Yeah. I knew something was up. That for me was yeah. important. And to this day, I still have a plant-based diet to this day. And again, all of those symptoms are gone. Every, And I remember telling so many of my friends like, oh, well, this is what I did. And they were like, girl, I'm not giving that up. You're crazy. So it never worked out in their, in their world. Like, Melissa, that's your choice. I'm not doing all that. But for me, I was like, this was actually an easy decision. I can change this. I don't have to worry about this. That's easy. But for other folks, it just wasn't. And that for me says this is economic and systemic. Yeah, real, for real. Uh, right when you said that um, about changing your diet, it just made me think of like, well, that's something, something's up with that. You know, the fact that um, all this food that they're giving, are they're, they're, you know, they're advertising to me or trying to sell to me is is doing that much to me that's something there's something up with that you know it, it, that's kind of sketchy that's crazy <laughs> it's just really interesting too because even with some of the ways that they they society right the big they mm-hmm. um, even advertise like plant-based foods like there's still so much urgency for people to grow food faster and bigger and brighter that even that sometimes is not the healthiest option because there's all this objecting of that so it's a it's a large conversation. I mean, from shelf life stuff to, mm-hmm. you know, uh, people just trying to survive in society, you know. Can, can you get any more help as far as the holistic approach from osteopathic physicians, DOs, relative to MDs or chiropractors with the regular family physician? Be aware of this if you went to a family physician would they would they know what was going on yeah so i think um for myself it was when i went to the OBGYN that had the conversation about it was like a they framed it as a women's health issue but it really is an overall womb issue um but that's where i first learned about it was in women health conversation women health departments and conversations that were happening there but I do see a holistic practitioner um, that also knows a lot about like internal diseases, environmental diseases, and how they play a role in the body sustaining itself. And so that's someone that I see once a month. But I also I grew up again. My my mom is from the West Indies and my dad is from East Africa. So I grew up with holistic practices being something that we just do, like monthly cleansings, herbs teas, aloe plants, like all of that was like regular practice for me. So when I introduce those concepts to other folks, they're like, here, Melissa, go with her plants. Okay. They don't got time. <laughs> they don't got time. But that was normal practice for me. So I do see a position that is familiar with internal cleansing. Mm-hmm. So Melissa, can you repeat what what foods help uh, cause were causal and, you know, from this for this condition and what foods you should eliminate um, basically yeah so i want to definitely go on the record say i am not a dietitian so for <laughs> all the farmers out there don't be coming for me <laughs> don't be coming for me but for myself uh, i saw negative responses when i had like beef or pork or steak of that matter um when i had chicken those were things that would completely like heighten 
if I had uh, anything dairy-based, so like milk, um, not lactose-free, but actual like milk, regular milk, uh, heightened yogurt, ice cream, all those things. And I started to think about like, oh, yes, all of this comes from animals that have their own set of hormones, right? So those hormones times hormones used for whatever reason that are prescribed by the doctor, right, times what I'm personally producing, uh, my body went into overload. And that what led to, for myself, that's what led to all those symptoms. Wow. It's amazing to me that, uh, that just, you know, reducing or cutting out intake of certain foods can make that much of a difference in your health. You know? Including sugar. That was something that I found to be um, important to in the cleansing. My holistic doctor was saying, you know, sugar, high fructose corn syrup, which is in like everything. everything. It's yeah. it's literally in everything. They're like, yeah, you need to be mindful of your sugar intake um, because um, all of the the cysts they thrive off of sugar. They they feed off of sugar. So she was like, if you eliminate the sugar you'll reduce the mucus, which helps the cyst to develop and stay alive, which will ultimately help them shrink. And okay. y'all may have heard of Dr. Sebi, who did a bunch of like holistic cleansings. Um, are you familiar with Dr. Sebi? Mm-mm. No. Oh, okay. So myth has it, um, Dr. Sebi, the feds actually came for Dr. Sebi um, and shut down his practices because he cured folks of cancer and AIDS in the islands. And he did it through holistic mm. cleansing. He he went to court and like beat the case because the feds were trying to, you know, say that he's doing illegal practices. But then he like defended himself and won. And then, you know, they don't like that. And so uh, they shut his entire practice down. But he had cured like 80 patients in the island. So people would pay money to just go see them. It would be with them for a couple of months. He would do a cleansing. And it was all about like mucus removal. So it was it was powerful. Yeah. It was powerful. Um, this is, I guess, this is just side note because I'm just getting so hyped all the stuff that you're saying. But, um, yo, I can't wait till you make multiple documentaries. I look forward yeah. to you going down your journeys of uh, multiple things that you have to say. Um, so that's pretty cool. It's so funny uh, you say that because I didn't. I, I guess the intention was to, wasn't needed to be a like a, a producer for documentaries, right? It was just to be able to share my personal story, and it's become an entire new world. And I'm just really thankful that I listen to that voice, you know, because all of us have those voices of like, this would be a really cool idea, but sometimes we'll be like, Mm-mm, and we shut ourselves down before we even give it a chance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true. You, you mentioned the problem with, with corn syrup. And uh, unfortunately, uh, most of the soft drink companies switched over what from what they call prime sucrose, which is the normal sugars to the corn syrup. And corn syrup is very, uh, uh, deleterious to our health mm-hmm. it also causes you have more weight gain but they save a little money make more money for their stockholders a- am know? i wrong in thinking there wasn't even high fructose corn syrup that long ago like all this stuff is pretty relatively new right the corn lobby has been very powerful like mm-hmm. i remember as a child like corn i remember as a child like seeing little bits in the news and stuff about corn syrup slowly making its way like yeah. the corn lobby making its way into all of our food products i do remember yeah, that yeah. i do hear mm-hmm. yep I that do sounds remember. so evil the corn lobby i can't yeah isn't it that, like a, isn't like a scary movie doesn't it sound like it 
It is. Yeah, it's it's true though. It's real life. It's, it's mirror. Yeah. mirror shit. Yeah. And right. also a lot of the, I mean, this sounds conspiratorial, but it's like factual is a lot of the health, a lot of the health, um, nutrition studies and science are backed by companies that have an interest in them having good results for their products. Uh, hence high fructose corn syrup or tobacco companies did that a lot. And, mm-hmm. Bro, you know, got milk was a lie. Did you know that? I think, yeah. yeah. All of got milk was a lie. Like there's no reason for us to actually drink cow milk. Like there's no, there's no, there's no scientific reason. It was all big dairy. There's no yeah, reason. Okay. Come for me, big dairy. There was no reason for people to try to Uh-oh. make me drink milk. These nasty yep. milk cartons as a child. Yep. It wasn't going to make me stronger. It was never going to make me taller than five two. Yep. It was all a lie. Big yep. dairy. I had nothing. I'm not associated with her. Please do not come at me. <laughs> so you're scared. <laughs> so you're not scared of the beehive, but you're oh, scared yeah. of big dairy. Uh, okay. Yeah, duh. One runs America. One doesn't. <laughs> yeah, there's one of the. And you see how they put this marketing around these ideas to push for more money. That's why it's like when you have, yes. when you think about it, it's really economic based, systemic based. Like there was a dollar in mind, a dollar amount in mind. And they were like, just like the war on drugs, all of that, all of these things, these huge campaigns were targeted, right? To increase the consumption all for economic gain. I mean, yeah. even think about when people are running for president, the states that they stop by first, the corn folks, the corn, the farmers, they, they have mm-hmm. to get there because the money is outrageous. I mean, the corn, the, what do you call them? The corn folks, what do you corn call them? Corn lobby. Corn lobby. It is. They run Coca-Cola. They run Pepsi, right? That is like the number one product in all of their things. Chips, yes. snack, you name it. There, gummy bears coming. Yeah, power Gatorade. Yeah, right. Even some of the spritzers, like, which I think mm-hmm. right now, like Truly's is like, like number one in like spritzers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it, it's a what a mastermind of marketing. The fact that corn isn't even that useful for humans, you know, in the first place, like we, we don't even digest, even digest it. it. Yeah, and they're like, you know what? It. I'll make a dollar out of fifteen cent. I'll show you. They put corn in the gasoline. That's how ridiculous they literally are putting corn in the gas. Like, who, who thought of this? Who it's thought just, of corn in the oh, gas? You know what? Eat it. Oh, okay. You know what's crazy is a uh, grandpa. Tank. Grandpa comes from a soda family. That's really? His, yeah. Uh oh! Take everything you say about it. Which one? <laughs> Which one? Grandpa, you guys wouldn't have heard of it because it was Uh-oh. a large <laughs> local company in Philadelphia, but they're not in business anymore. They did got, you guys? Oh, did you guys use high fructose corn? Did syrup? you reject the corn lobby? Is that what happened? You can't reject the corn Pardon? lobby. Did you reject the corn lobby? Is that what happened? Well, I had nothing to do with it. Uh, the business changed because. Um, supermarkets got to where they charge I don't, I don't know if you guys are aware of this they they charge money to put your goods on the shelves they charge per for the shelves mm. do they and uh that changed the business dramatically right so and also companies like coke and pepsi and canada dry have a lot of muscle uh, yeah especially oh, if they're yeah. local and they're national so and the full weight of the corn lobby area, behind them. rockefeller did with with gasoline and cut the prices way down and basically put you out of business. Oh, I can see that. And then even the product placement too. I remember I saw this documentary that talked about the placement of their products is really aimed at certain folks, like kids. They'll put certain things on the bottom level or for like mm-hmm. for, uh, for parents, they'll put stuff high level. 
it's all intentional right? or they're like mm-hmm. these specific aisles that are all coke products but you don't know it right um, yeah it's it's a thing it's a thing yeah it was it's weird moving from um from indiana to new york going to even grocery stores because when i indiana grocery stores are like the walmart targets whatever i see the exact same thing like there's no it's all craft or whatever they show me you know and then I come here to New York and there's just so many different places that are uh, brands I've never seen before and mm-hmm. uh, fresh food that I've never even seen before. And it just, mm-hmm. it just shows you even more so like uh, it just made me think about like you were saying earlier, like what neighborhood I was born and raised in, what options I had. Um, and like just, yeah, there's brands I didn't know anything outside of craft, you know, and then going out here and it's like, you know, seeing things that are whole grain free or all these different. Um, right. Uh, and the the healthier food is always more expensive now. Every it time, it was never like yeah. that. Produce, yeah. the cheapest, healthiest produce historically was always cheaper, and now it's the opposite. Oh, you scared me because I ate corn tonight. <laughs> <laughs> you please the corn gods, then. And my birds love corn. I love they like corn. To pull off kernels. They just Listen, love corn. I I actually miss corn in the cob because I just got these braces two months ago. I actually miss oh, corn yeah. in the cob. I'm, I'm actually, I'm, I like eating corn too. And I, I don't, I forget the name of the movie on Amazon, but it was made by the guy who made Get Out. What's his name? Oh, um, Keel. 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 So, you know, it was coming with the message. And, uh, it's all about how basically the government recruited Nazi scientists to come Mm -hmm. and develop all of their intellectual property here. Because they figured, well, we don't want to waste that talent because another country would take that talent because clearly yeah. what you did was talented. It's what they were thinking in their mind. It's called Project Paperclip. You can look it up. It's a fact. Um, and so they recruited all of the Nazi scientists to Alabama to uh, create um, all these things we can get to the moon and all these different things. And it shows the creation of corn syrup and how it was strategically put in Black communities to uh, harm us health-wise. And of course, it has like other storylines, like a love interest and like family and stuff. But the message is like the government's in control and all of this is intentionally put together and set up. And if you Google Project Paperclip, you'll literally see the recruitment of Nazi scientists to Alabama. And they gave them two names and passports and identities and houses and uh, NDA packages that were fully financed to say, you're from Alabama. And so there's a large Nazi, well, there's a large German presence in Alabama, mm-hmm. but it really came out of that. Melissa, uh, uh, I don't know whether you would know the answer to this, but what is, what is the uh, effect of soy, soybean or soy oil? Soy oil? That I is know, a like great Chinese food. They use a lot of that. Yeah, that's a great question. I've heard that people, I remember when soy milk came out, it was like, ooh, okay, soy milk, right? And Big Dairy was like, we're going to kill you, soy milk. But (laughs) then then soy went to almond, and then coconut, and now you can literally have any type of nut you want, and it's probably a milk, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But I've heard people say that soy milk or like tofu um, has... uh, it has negative chances for folks that are looking to become pregnant one day. I don't know all the facts behind that, um, but I'm, I'm going to learn more about that with folks that have opted out of soy. Cause I hear that a lot of people that have endometriosis, like I don't want to have a lot of soy. We're family planning. I don't drink soy milk anymore. 
It has alternative reactions to my period. So I'm going to learn more about that with uh, Kathleen members telling their story. But right now, I don't know. Interesting. I've it heard is that this oil that we use now, a lot of it for, for cooking and frying, mm -hmm. is not all that good for you either. Oh, I believe it. I believe it. Mm. Once you start to look at like the calorie count on different things, like you, it's like if you have no plans to change your diet and you're just curious, it like will give you so much anxiety. But if you're looking to change, like it gives you great reason to like mm. pretty much every oil you're going to find, like even a tablespoon is like over a hundred or like near 200 calories just for like a tablespoon of it. And like, when you think about like how much goes into your like deep frying or when you're sauteing, or if you're just making like a little like pasta salad or broccoli salad or something, like it all adds up and which is sad because oil is great. <laughs> Let me tell you, I have gallons in my system as a child, like, and I want to be very clear, too, that I'm not anti folks that eat meat. I don't want to come right. across as that because that's not that's not my thing. And if it wasn't for um, Susan, who told me about this is an option for myself, I still would be eating, you know, the way that I was before. So I don't want to like not anybody that is like, I'm not vegan. I'm not here for that. Um, but I, I I am curious to know, like, how our diet does impact our overall health, like our longevity, our quality. And even the access to it. I'm yeah. Very, I, very interested. There's an, another podcast that, um, that is called Ologies. And they did an episode, um, especially about like, um, just the vagina in general, about all, all the animals and all and the menstrual cycle and all that other stuff. And it was really cool that one part they were talking about just Americans and how many periods that they'll, they'll get in their lifetime compared to other places. And, Again, this is mind blowing to me because I'm like, man, that can't mean nothing more than it has to be society doing something like, you know, it has to be the environment. Um, once you get to that point of, of like how much we run things differently than everyone else, but I'll have to send it to you guys or put in the link, but it was really interesting how different all, the, um, just, just in different regions, um, the body is just affected. Yeah. So what are, oh, what? it's fact. Like just there's disease that we have here in the United States that other countries just don't have. I mean, they just don't have it. Um, other countries are way more well-versed in um, being able to prepare their own food, like literally from inception to consumption, mm -hmm. um, just their overall, or they don't have, it's much like um, human-made food there. So like, like all these chips and candy bars and stuff, like sometimes you just can't find them, right? In other parts of the world. And you'll see like huge health compare, like, huge different health comparisons to people in other countries and you know the u.s is really good about like demeaning other countries and their way of life and the way that they do things but they're actually thriving um in other areas yeah. <laughs> thriving but we just have good advertising that's it our yeah. hollywood and yep. it's that's it well um, this is this is and, and this is a, a big question this not, nothing this is want to hear your thought melissa no, nothing crazy but who is they to you Ooh, yeah. That, so I tell all my folks, I love Sierra. She's like, <laughs> so I always tell folks, I I believe, I completely believe in secret society. It's Ronald Reagan to me. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and I told my, I told my wife, as soon as I get an invitation, I'm bringing all my friends with me. Like mm. I'm, I'm here for it because I know that there's other decisions being made from people that are unseen, right? They're, they're not on the radar. And they're literally having dinner, making decisions about all of our livelihood. 
Um, I've seen it in smaller settings and I'm like, got it. Can't wait for my invitation because I'm, I'm so there. So in mm-hmm. my mind, that's big pharma. That's they. Um, it's definitely big dairy. That's they. And it's these different um, tech industries that maybe have started out as tech, but are influencing so many other things to make things more efficient. Yeah, so that'd be like data your, yep, big data. Yep. Humans are the products. Mm-hmm. We are the research yeah. subjects. We are the test. We are. So, I mean, aside from which I think is the best thing to do, what you're doing, which is like just getting a voice for everybody using media for for people to be able to like feel comfortable to say things. But like, how else do you think we as people can, you know, get the power back or how can we fight the power? I feel like the youth are showing us that we need to visually document everything. Mm-hmm. I think personally, I feel like myself especially working in different professional settings, there's still that little bit of fear about speaking truth to power publicly and fear of repercussion of something. So people will be like, I don't want to lose my job. So I'm just not going to say nothing, right? Or I don't want to miss out on this opportunity. So I'm not going to say anything. And so you'll know something to be true or harmful and you just won't say anything because you're nervous about what could happen to you. But let me tell you, these youth, they could care less. They could care less. They're calling out mm-hmm. everybody uncles, neighbors, teachers, pastors, everybody. That's wrong. That's unjust. That's racist. That's sexist. That's transphobic. They're calling it out and they're saying we're completely done and they're not afraid to make noise about it. And that's really how change happens is when people are tired and I'm going to make some noise about it. That's how we gotten anything done in, in society. It's all built, been through revolt. It's never been nice, right? It's never been nice. And people mm-hmm. always say, like, we want peace. But in reality, it's never been peaceful. Change has never That's been peaceful. That's uh, I feel like a lot of people, they want more civility or politeness. Like, if you wanted peace, you would. if you really want peace, you would want that equality and that equity and that freedom of information that people... Mm-hmm need to have about themselves and like the things around them so that there aren't, you know, different, um, different conflicts based on misinformation, different misconceptions about different people and different things and a lack of understanding about how basic things work, like, you know, your body, your medicine, your food, things like that. Like, Oh, wait. Okay. So wasn't there a story like a couple, like a few months ago about like, isn't it illegal to record in a meat factory now? Is it? I went away a little. I know I went away a little bit, but I I was. I didn't hear about that, but that would be that's that would depend on really intense because I know it's Mm. a thing because I remember like in the 2000s, like, you know, the animal rights people would like sneak into factories with like body cams and stuff and record. Is it illegal? Oh, you know, there's a lot of stuff that goes down in factories that we aren't familiar with. And so I'm sure people were opening up the can mm-hmm. of all kinds of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I was going to say before I lose the, the thought, too, because what Sierra said about um people saying peaceful and I wish we would all get along. And, mm-hmm. you know, I wish everyone would be hunky dory. I, I sometimes think they may mix up peace and what they think is freedom as assimilation. I think I think they just want us. Uh, I think. I think if I was really pressed the situation and really pressed what they really wanted, they really would like me just to assimilate <clears throat> as much as I can, or at least play my role and then be okay with it. Um, but I, I do feel like sometimes uh, 
that's mixed up where I, I would be like, let's just get along and be peaceful. When you know, I I, I don't think freedom is very peaceful, unfortunately, because you like you're saying it's going to be a constant fight for somebody wanting something. Um, right. you, you, I guess the same rights as everyone else, which is okay, you know. Um, but somebody's got to be aware of it because I, I don't like a conflict very much at all. Uh, I'm not, I'm almost averse to it. So that's something I've been trying to get used to of like, if I want change, I have to kind of be ready to rock the boat a bit to sound the alarm. And it's yeah. interesting too, because I mean, I completely feel you on a number of ways. I definitely was raised to be like, just don't, don't mess anything up. Right. Don't mess it up. Don't touch it. Don't ask any questions. Just like move through societies out of safety. And I can see how that worked for my mom. Right. Or for my grandparents who were just like, we're not trying to cause any trouble because trouble is dangerous and it can really ruin our livelihood. So we're just not going to cause anything. But then there's something that clicks inside of you where you realize, but it's already dangerous when I'm quiet. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't do anything. And I'm still, I'm still in trouble or I'm still being attacked or I still don't get to have access. So if the outcome is the same, I might as well say something, right? Or you get to a space where it's like, I'm going to be rejected or made fun of or talked about anyway, right? Whether I put something out or not. So why am I quiet, right? And when we think about people that are still like trying to find their voice, I mean, rightfully so. Society can be really harsh. They can be really mean really, really harsh, you know, and that's putting people that are close to you. People will say horrible things to you or do horrible things to you just for you trying to exist. So that makes complete sense. Yeah. You're familiar with Audre Lorde too, right? Tim? Oh, yeah. Because what you're saying sounds just like one of her essays she wrote. I was just like, yeah, uh, about being silent. You're like, you're, st- you're still dying <laughs> regardless. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. I thought I'd give a lot of credit to people that have the courage to stand up for stand up for what's right in yeah. our society because you know they may take a lot of abuse because of it yeah it's and courage is definitely the right word and you know there are people there's so many different types of courage there's people that are like out on the front lines that we see on the news that are literally taking days off of work right to fight on behalf of all of us which we need to celebrate um, mm-hmm. and then there's people that are in larger meetings that can't take days off of work but they can fight like internal systems of oppression right in larger meetings, us aren't privy to. There's some of us that are visually, you know, taking a stand. Even podcasts like this, right? This is a form of activism in itself, right? Bringing folks on to have conversations that are sometimes uncomfortable, but it's like uncomfortable to who, right? Because the person that's suffering has always been uncomfortable. So like even this platform itself is a version of, you know, speaking truth to power and giving people space to be themselves. Wow. We just have to hope that things keep improving in our society. Yeah, it's true. Things are getting better. They're they're more out in the open now, but I think that people are becoming more aware and things. Yeah, that is the goal, to leave the world better than when we got here. That is the goal. I found an update on on my meat question. Yes, Sierra, yes. (laughs) <laughs> okay, so some states, so like, like a almost, almost like 10 years ago, basically a couple, several states had like these laws that made it illegal to, oh, come back, come back. It was like illegal to investigate. It was illegal to record, I believe. 
And then some of those got struck down, but like they're calling them like ag gag laws, like agricultural oh, ag gag laws. Okay. Ag gag, ag gag, gag, gag. So, and so like this says, uh, Iowa did something, whatever. Okay. So in Alabama, for example, it says they prohibit possession of records obtained by theft or deception from an animal or crop facility. Um, uh Iowa the there was there was an Iowa law that was like struck down that was criminalizing providing false information on an employment application with the intent to record images so if you like pretended to want to work there to so that you could put on like your body camera or whatever and record evidence you know now that's illegal that was illegal and then they the court struck the law down in North Carolina and Arkansas uh, individuals and companies can sue whistleblowers for up to five thousand dollars a day, a for day, ac- a day wow. for gaining access to an employer's property to record sound or images, and then use that in a way that damages the employer. So, if you embarrass your employer, if you embarrass an employer uh, with actual evidence of them doing something probably wrong, you're gonna you can get fined five thousand dollars for every day you recorded them doing something wrong. Um, there are also quick reporting bills. It doesn't say where, but this exists. And it's, uh, it's a crime to possess footage of animal abuse and not turn it to the authorities within 24 or 48 hours. So the point of that is to say, well, I found one picture of somebody kicking a hog. So I'm going to take it to the police. And the police are obviously going to say, okay, well, what do you want me to do with this one picture of this guy kicking a hog? Like the point is to gather a lot of evidence and present it as like um, a pattern of abusive behavior and neglectful behavior of animals. And you can't do that if you have to turn everything over within 24 hours. I knew there was something, some kind of tomfoolery. It's interesting to me about uh, the development of Legislatures try to protect the abuser. Right. Mm -hmm. Perpetually. Exactly. I'm like the development of crime, right? Like you have to, you literally create something, right? And then society will say, oh, we don't like what you did with what we created. So now we're going to put a bill into place to make the way that you use what we created bad. And then when you do that bad thing, we're going to criminalize you and put you in jail. So now you can't do anything ever again. But Mm -hmm. the only reason you did the thing is because we created the thing. And it's just interesting. Is, so, is that because we live in a capitalist society? Is it is it money based? Oh, I see what you did there, Brandon. I see what you're doing there. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It's yeah. like I feel like I feel like capitalism and patriarchy are like almost like chicken or the egg. You know? Tell yeah. me. Tell me which one. So we're gonna make a platform. We're gonna make the option for you to create a video. We're going to give you a cell phone, right? We're going to create cell phones and then we're going to give you video capability on your cell phone. But like, don't use it to record anything that doesn't make us look good. But then we're going to always make sure that when the new cell phone comes out, you're going to have better camera quality. But like, (laughs) don't use it to do anything against the feds or they. Because if you do, then you're going to jail. But it's only because we created this cell phone with this high quality camera and so now i'm in jail for the rest of my life for videotaping work with me here 
Mm-hmm. Put what, it together. One plus one. Yeah. What, what about the fact that you know that they're, they passed laws uh, to protect whistleblowers, but they don't seem to be holding up. Uh, some whistleblowers right. are, have run into a lot of problems. Which, you know, if they have right. an opposing person in control of the government. Right. Yeah. So I'm going to make a law to protect you, but then I'm going to also make a law that I can sue you. Right. Mm. So work with me here. <laughs> work with me here. There was that one lady in Florida that we talked about who um, reported on the was it like false COVID numbers or people asking them yes. to suppress the COVID numbers? Oh, and the numbers. government came to her house, right? They freaking raided her house and pointed yeah. guns at her kids oh, because yeah. she wanted them to acknowledge that there was a plague killing people in Florida. And um, she just got whistleblower status a few months ago, I want to say. But it it when I like looked at it, it it's like it's it doesn't mean anything. It's like a I think it was like a state whistleblower status, which doesn't mean anything when the state <laughs> is against you. <laughs> like wow. it's a mess. It really is a mess. And it's like she was telling the truth. And mm-hmm. y'all were like, oh no, you're not. <laughs> it's we're crazy. coming to your house. It's a thing. It's insane. It's insane. It's a thing. Yeah, like I said earlier, I'm not associated with uh <clears throat> these four people, Big Dairy. Um, <laughs> big florida don't big come florida, to me no matter the, <laughs> all the bigs all big the all bigs <laughs> oh my gosh but literally because of all of this which is why i'm super excited to hear everybody's story because my story is just mine right but these mm-hmm. other 18 folks they have their own stories and what's so interesting is that these are folks that are from all different religious backgrounds because I know some folks think that all black folks are Christian and we're not mm-hmm. just want to put it out there. Um, all different religions, all different ages, right? There are folks that are literally, I think the youngest person on there is 23. And then the eldest person on there, maybe in their fifties. So all different ages, all different economic backgrounds, all different types of schooling, credentialing. We have PhDs, we have vocational folks, we have all that stuff. Um, all different types of insurance too. So people have no insurance and people have, you know, Medi-Cal, some people have like HMOs, PPOs, some people work for the medical industry and yet and still the outcomes are the same. And so those, that's important to know. And I wanted to make sure it was a cast that was as diverse in that area. So folks won't say, oh, it's a low income issue. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's an insurance issue. I love it. Oh, yeah. it's a age issue. It's like, no. No, this is this is racially motivated. Mm-hmm. I really like that. Yeah, I really like that. <clears throat> that's always an excuse for you know. There's always going to be an excuse for it. So, and it's really cool to um be. Oh yeah, okay. So, how's it feel to be looking for your own crew of people? Were you were you aware of trying to be um trying to make it as diverse as possible, or did it come really easy easy for you? Or you said 24 people came, did you like, uh, like, you know, yeah, I don't know, more about the process, I guess. So the process itself was trying to put some parameters about it because when I first went in, y'all should know this, I'm one of those people like, I have like a vision and then I'm like, oh, it can be done, but I don't really think about all the steps in detail at first. So I'm just like, oh yeah, I'm totally gonna make a doc. And then um, you start looking at like what you can and can't do. And then like times of pandemic. So then I went to like um, the city to see what like what the filming restrictions were. And they were like, oh, permits. I'm like, what are those? 
They're like, oh yeah, you can't even do anything unless you have a permit. I'm like, mm, I'll be back. And then it was like, oh yeah, so who's going to film it for you? I was like, oh, right, because it's not going to be me. Who's going to do that for what I can afford? Okay. And then it was like, oh, I still need a production assistant because when I'm there, someone needs to help coordinate the, oh, I need a venue. Oh, well, who wants to talk about periods? Okay, cool. You know, it, it literally was like breaking it down. And it was so overwhelming to the point where I was like, I'm giving up on this. And then I had, again, Lisa and Kelly, I hit them up and they're like, oh, do you know about California arts? Where they're literally lawyers out there for artists. I was like, nah, had no idea. So I connected with them on licensing and the steps that I needed to create this. And I was like, okay, cool. And then the thing that I tell everybody is, you know, your dreams are yours. What's for you is for you. Even if somebody gets inspired by your idea, they don't have the juice to execute it just like you. So you'd have nothing to be afraid of when you put something out there in the ether. You have nothing to be afraid of because you have your own creative juice. And so Lisa and Kelly literally said, put it out there. And when I put it out there, people came and started offering up their services and their help and their support. And that's where the casting flyer came about. And they were asking me like, what do you want to showcase? And I was like, okay, I want to talk about medical injustice against black folks. And that's how all of it came about. But yeah, it literally started with a conversation. Like I want to do this. No details. So for anybody out there that's like, oh, you have to everything in line. No, you don't. No, you don't. You can just literally have the thought and that's it. That's all that you need. Rosie is really deep into the conversation today. Listen, Rosie's like, this is cool. Rosie's yeah. like, this Preach. is my this Preach. is my shit. This is what I came to. I want to be a part of the conversation. Rosie's never out here like this on stuff. Like <laughs> Rosie was yeah. cracking. I missed you last time. Right? Yeah, no, I, I this, I'm loving this podcast. I mean, loving this episode. I, I feel very inspired. You're doing a, a yeah, a great job. Look, look Honestly. Um, haven't Melissa, watched much yeah go ahead i'm sorry oh no i sorry to interrupt i just wanted to ask like i i assume for example the the doctor that you had talked to that was very dismissive and a lot of medical professionals um probably do or would get very defensive right and the 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 antidote to that is that just more awareness from the actual patients or are you trying to sway the doctor's opinions as well like primarily probably white male i don't know so it's a bunch of different things, but I really am looking for some type of community activism and understanding in the creation of policies um, when it comes to like medical practices. Because to, if you think about it, there's a father of gynecology, right? And that should like set things off to let everybody know, <laughs> like, oh, this is how it started, right? Perpetual. <laughs> and... So when you just start with that, people go, oh, got it, right? It like kind of clicks like, oh, this was set up to be a shit show from the beginning, right? And then when we think about, well, how do we know about medical practices, right? They had to be tried on somebody, right? We had to try them first before we brought them to this governing body that approved them. And who do you try stuff on? People that have no power say so. And so there's all this history, right, of uh, white male clinicians doing harm on black and brown indigenous, um, you know, enslaved folks that said, hey, we're just going to slice you open, pull your, you out and see how that works. Cool. 
okay, we're going to shove things up you. We're going to press on you. We're going to do these things to you. Oh, that hurt. Okay. Next time we won't do that. And so this really is to acknowledge the history around the cultivating of the medical field, like how this started Mm -hmm. and to give honor to the folks that literally went through harm, right? Sometimes sanctioned harm, protected harm, um, to be able to establish these um, different procedures and uh, things that are available to folks out in the world now. And then to ask ourselves, are our policy policies the most inclusive? And to look at insurance, right? Why doesn't insurance cover holistic health? Why does it take people to advocate for themselves to get insurance to cover chiropractic care, mm-hmm. to cover hormone therapy, to cover um, acupuncture, right? Um, to cover dietitian um, consultation. Like, why why is that a struggle? Um, why is there not more research funding for fibroids? Or uterine health trauma? Why is it not there? Why is that not something that people should be funding, right? Why is that not attention when people are literally dying and families right. aren't being created? Yeah, I think the a lot of a lot of people are like they think of the United States as like ah, but it's good now, you know, right, especially right. white dudes and the the story of the Nazis of how we brought them there. I think is just so telling. Nazis. It's just I'm gonna so look it up like, right now so y'all can watch no, it. It's a series. Please put Amazon. it in the chat. Yeah, yeah. When you said father of gynecology, it just like reminded me of like. What did, a health Did you almost pass is. out? Did you almost pass what, out? What, what what is, it just reminded me of, huh? What does gynecology translate to? Is that the study it's the, of It's the, the study vagina? of the uterus and women's, the uterus. Okay. women's the health. The father of the uterus. <laughs> the father of the uterus, yeah, obviously. The father of no, of knowing how the uterus works. You know, it just like literally reminded me what a hellscape it, what a hellscape it is just to be a woman and exist. Like you just never know what you're you just never know what's going to happen like it just like it reminded me of this story i heard about um what is it called it's like the husband it's like the husband stitch or something like mm-hmm. if you have if you give birth in some places i'm not saying this is something that happens all the time but like if you're if you're gonna have a baby or if someone you love is gonna have a baby you make sure that they get their whole like their whole OBG team, their whole delivery team. They know who's coming in, who's coming out, get all that shit under wraps and know exactly who's doing it. Because I heard this story about in some places when you give birth, like you, you just split. Okay. Like the the whole baby, there's like an eight pound thing coming out of you. So everything is jacked up down there and right. they literally, huh? Yeah. And they literally have to stitch you back up. Okay. Some doctors, some grown ass doctors will literally stitch you back together. They will add extra stitches to make your vaginal opening smaller, which is supposed to be more pleasurable for your partner. When in reality, they're stitching things together that aren't supposed to be stitched together. It's going to be incredibly painful for you, the, the, the person who just threw a whole baby out of you. It's going to be incredibly painful for you if you, for literally anything vaginal related for however long it lasts sometimes if they do it if they do a really shitty job it can be even lasting effects like after you've healed everything else from your your childbirth experience they'll just do that they'll just be like hey hey dennis do you <laughs> you want right. me to, you how low do you want me to go and they'll just right. they'll, they, they just do crazy shit and you won't know because you're past the hell out right 
You won't know no, until you wake up and you go home. It's terrifying. Makes you think twice about wanting to have a child. Makes you think Let- twice about literally everything. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's, so, it's a horror show to live here most of the time. Y'all, it's serious. It is so serious. It the is. show is called Hunters. Y'all have to watch it on Amazon Prime. It's Hunters. <clears throat> Wait, is that a documentary or is that a movie? It's a it's a doc it's a series. I don't know if it's a doc series. It's a series. Hunters. It's hella good. I will find it. Yeah, Hunters. But yeah, it's it's serious. It's so serious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, what's been your favorite part? Of I know you're still in pre-production, so I can't ask you like you know if you loved like shooting the scene or going to this place. But like, what's been your favorite part so far of the actual filmmaking process? Um, watching the videos, watching the audition submissions, because uh, people are so you're your most authentic self there, right? You have your phone, right. and in my mind, they filmed it like a couple of times and sent me like the version they felt. Mm-hmm. And I, I just, I think I relate to that so much as someone that submits stuff myself, like how vulnerable that space is and uh, just how precious that is to be able to share that something is going on and you have found community and you're not afraid to share that with another person that gets it. So I think that part has been um, just like, I don't know how to explain it. Uh, I know it makes me really proud to know that other people are finding their voice. Mm-hmm. And I can only imagine I'm going to be all in it, all teary eyed when we actually film. I know it, <laughs> um, and I and I know the launch. I'm I'm gonna need to have two hours prior so I can just cry it all out before I actually go on there because it's it's a journey. It's a journey. Did you, they sent you two minute like monologues or just like personal bios or what? What did they? Yeah, so for the casting call, I had them state their, um, they had to identify as Black, like self-identify. So I will, you're Black, but they had to, you know, self-identify. <laughs> they had to be uh, ages 18 to 65, live locally, and then have, uh, be, have dealt with or overcome a uterine health challenge. And so they just had to explain that in the two-minute video and why they want to be a part of the project. Nice. Yeah, it's cool. Are any of you ever thinking about doing anything creative um, when it comes to like visual, creative, any projects in that area? I'm working on and I'm like still very like early developing writing mm-hmm. like an animated something. I don't know what. Yet. Yes. It's either a series or probably, a, I don't know, like a series or a movie. I don't know. Yeah. That is so cool. But I want to make something that is like either all or like highly predominantly like black cast and like Mm -hmm. black uh black cast and black characters and something that reflects like like the my primary goal is just something that reflects like all the different shades that we come in and like having more like like dark skin prominence on screen is what i'm like super excited for Mm -hmm. oh yeah and i'm working on a i'm working on a of something uh, I'm working on a project about like young black creative girls in a, with a friend of mine as well. I love that. That sounds so great. I'm super excited. Yeah. It's great. Uh, Brenda, are you working on anything for the black, for the black cause? <laughs> um, <laughs> anything at all. Yeah. 
just uh, this podcast is the only creative thing I've been doing sort of recently. So fortunately and unfortunately, I've just been so like busy and stuff. But yeah. Yes. This podcast about this podcast is so dope. I was just telling my partner yesterday, I was like, I think the concept is really, really dope. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I look forward to it. Every <coughs> so. yes. Brandon, are you in your kitchen right now? Um, I live in one, one room. <laughs> so yeah. 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 The studio. Yeah, yeah. You're always in your kitchen. I'm always, I literally, <laughs> yeah. I'm in my bathroom. I'm in my kitchen. <laughs> I'm on my, you're in all of my it, all roof. I'm in my kitchen. Yeah. So. <laughs> we need to plan out our cooking episode for real. For real. So what do you think Brandon oh, wow. should in cook? Kitchen. You can cook back there. Oh my God. Are you like obsessed with cooking? Are you a chef? He's really bad oh, at so it. Obsessed. He needs a lot of help. So what, is, what would your recommendation be for something he could, that would be really good that he could, that he could make? So first of all, Brandon, I feel you because I can only cook three things. No, four <laughs> things. One of those things are jello shots. So, <laughs> hey. I feel you. So like, if you need that, clearly I'm the one. I, I would love to be able to cook jello shots. That'd be. <laughs> it's, you could totally do it. It's easy, I, right? You just put it, put alcohol in the Jello. Listen, but there's like a little, there's an elixir you have to put together, right? Oh, you got the same it, yeah. thing, and then it was like, oh, there's an additional like one or two steps. I was like, this is getting complicated. But yeah, uh, I have you tried making soup? Everybody says that it's easy to make, and I'm like, there's no fucking way. Which is why I never use the word easy when it comes to cooking because I, I told you I can only make four things, so. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. what are the other two? For what sure. are the other two? I can make rice. I can really make some rice. Perfect That's texture. Hard to do. Rice is every hard. time. I can make rice. I can make salmon. Okay. I can make salmon. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. And then with the air fryer, I can make any vegetable taste bomb. Air and fryer so, gang. And with those four things, I feel accomplished as an adult. Mm-hmm. You're like the sushi avatar over here. I'm sushi just is hard. Yeah, rice is sushi. hard. Both of those are hard. Jello shots. Salmon. <laughs> Not to uh, sidetrack, I just want to say grandpa has a lot of, like, you have a bunch of good video equipment, right? And, like, a lot of, so if you ever need, like, a pickup shot of something, I don't know, you could. <laughs> yes. So, grandpa, when Fly you come out. into Cali. I, I'm sorry. Can you repeat that, Melissa? Yeah. When are you coming to California? <laughs> Oh, why don't I come out to California? Yeah. You say? Well, yeah. I've lived in California and I, I loved it. But <laughs> Did I came you? East, uh, <laughs> what the fuck, Grandpa? <laughs> Where? Um, when did of, you live in California? Oh, this is kind of off, off the subject a little, but um, <laughs> assuming uh, for reasons that are obvious that your cast is mostly women. Yeah, they're, um, it's primarily primarily um but we do have folks um from all different genders that are on the cast too which is really really cool which is really cool where in california did you live i lived in hollywood oh Oh. franklin franklin street for a while and (laughs) okay and then um just just uh west of hollywood um boy my brain right now is not functioning but um yeah, I lived in that area for, for some time. Oh my wow. goodness, what did you do in Hollywood? Well, uh, <laughs> I, I worked uh, for a uh, commercial uh, video company, actually, or 
was actually a film company. Um, they did uh, commercials for Revlon, Honda, Afrosheen. Uh, it was called Wakeford Orloff. You know, I'm going back 50 years ago. I don't know whether they're even in existence anymore, but they hired me to be a stage manager, which I knew nothing about. And I remember being very envious of the guys that were uh, grips and or driving the Honda motorcycles <coughs> the, the advertisement. Oh, my God. Yeah. So you've been about this media life. Yes, well, not really. I, I didn't know what I was doing. Primarily, they called me a stage manager, but primarily what I did was watch all their equipment and uh, help, to, help to get it on set. That was really primarily my job. These big, huge Mitchell motion picture cameras and lighting equipment and that sort of thing. That's Some amazing. do even less. Right. But now it's all digital, so you, know, you don't film. Yeah, I was a stage manager for some theater productions. Actually, for um, are y'all familiar with the Jenna Monologue? Yeah, I've heard of it. They say it sounds familiar, though. Yeah, I mean, it started out as somebody doing like one monologue. Name was Eve Ensler did one monologue all about the different things that like folks went through with their vagina, but then it turned into like this um, scripted production that that um, got sold to all these different like community organizations where so people can literally get the script and perform the monologues. And so uh, at the school that I used to work at, they would have a cast of all these different folks and I would choreograph the production and we do all the acting to make sure the cast ready to go. And I had to do stage management for that. It's actually not an easy job. Mm-hmm. It's, <laughs> it's not an easy job. So all the behind the scenes stuff is how the magic happens. So even if you were just watching their equipment or make sure the equipment was on point, that job is still relevant. It's not easy. There's so many moving parts to getting all this TV. Yeah. Really takes a village. <clears throat> For real. Well, For if you real. ever need a PA, Grandpa has experience. So. Oh, yeah. He's not messing around. Okay. Hollywood. <laughs> Professional <laughs> in this field, bro. <laughs> what about you, Finest? What do you have what going part on? Of, what part of uh, California are you located in? So I'm in Sacramento. I grew up in Southern California and I'm uh-huh. in Sacramento right now. Cool. Yep. Yeah. Finest, what's your uh, creative endeavor? Life. <laughs> um, I have this podcast. I have two other podcasts. <laughs> uh, wow. I gets around. I do. I, yeah. yeah. Uh, I draw a lot. I want to write something. Hopefully, I don't know if I want to do a graphic novel or if I want to do more like the Peanuts, like a comic strip. Yeah, I, I don't. I, I don't know if my um, I don't know if I'm looking for too much. Um, I think because I'm a black male and I'm an artist, I'm sure some of that will come out. I'm, I'm almost positive just because that's my perspective. But I don't have no agenda of like making big changes. Most of it's probably like in inner inner stuff, inner monologue, like you know, just more like things that I think about. Um, which I'm racist stuff is involved with that, but that, um, I want to really start tagging the city. I've been really getting into graffiti. I've been really getting into art more and more all the time and starting to look at the artists I like and starting to see. And I was like, I want to take my hand at not really tagging anything like, like, uh, spray paint, but I wouldn't mind kind of going out there and just, you know, if nothing else, just kind of like take some pictures of the cool graffiti. Yeah. So that's what's been going on with me, uh, art wise. I wouldn't mind. That's what's up. 
I went on this college tour with so my daughter's 16 and we're going it's like college tour season and she I'm pretty sure my wife and I've done this to her. We've kind of made her like a baby Black Panther. So um she's all about HBCUs right now, which we're like totally here for. And we went on one of these college tours where they had um graffiti walls, like intentional graffiti walls for students that wanted to write or, you know, or create. Um, and their downtime when they're coming out of class on the weekends, and they made it to where I think it's University of North Carolina Greensboro. They have a um, it's like a graffiti section. So literally, it's intentional. You sign up for the week, and you can create the campus body in graffiti art. It is intentionally put on the campus, and I really love that because you know it wasn't too long ago where, where graffiti was criminalized. Yeah, again, crime. Right. As something that was bad, but it really is tremendous art. And as someone that can't draw, I think it's super dope. Yeah, there's this one artist. <clears throat> um, she was going, she was, I think it's somewhere in California too. She was taking abandoned houses and that no, no one doing anything with and doing art projects about them, like painting them like something really bright instead of making the neighborhood look so um, disenfranchised. Or to be funny, I think she would uh, make them colors of like advertisements. Like uh, and or just to kind of be facetious, I think. Uh, but still, there it is. You know, there's there's a there's a like a, a house that's just sitting there, and then you know people can make art of it in the neighborhood. And at first, it's still the whole thing. We talked about like this before, where people come in and go, "What are you doing to your neighborhood? What are you doing? You know, what right. are you, let, right. let me arrest you for? Let me make uh, this a big deal that you're doing this to your neighborhood, and how dare you?" And they really just try to make art out of whatever they can, you know. Right. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, I, yeah, I'm into it. I'm into it. Let's Did y'all see that Juneteenth special last weekend Which on one? ABC? Mm-hmm. They had like a whole ensemble. Chloe Bailey sang Nina Simone. It was perfect. Um, <gasps> I saw her performance, and yeah, she killed it. I don't get why people are upset about her. She's amazing. I don't. They didn't know. They, they they don't know. But it's fine. Yeah. Uh, she's perfect. Anyway, um, but there before that there was a <laughs> they were highlighting different different black businesses and different black projects, different black activism. And there was this one guy who does, I think he was doing like art projects. He like does art projects with students and they would like plan out what they were going to do. And they would have these huge wide shots of them. Like they would like choose like what they were going to do or they would have a theme. And each student would like say like what they want to do for their part of like a whole mural or something or a project. And then they had all these huge wide shots of um, him like, making the art like bringing it to life and like the i don't know how the students were involved in helping i don't know if he's teaching them the graffiti or what but it was i only remember seeing the wide shots of him and i was watching it with my family and we were just talking about how crazy it is that people like like it's one thing to draw like a beautiful piece of artwork like on a piece of paper or on your tablet or on a computer but like when you have a whole like i don't know like 50 by 80 foot wall Mm -hmm. like to make something beautiful and precise like on that scale was just so crazy i think it's i think it's beautiful i think it's so beautiful we have quite a bit of that in philadelphia i think the city was paying artists to come and paint on buildings and um but the ones that uh, are not paid for I can't figure out how they get up on these bridges and, <laughs> and paint these huge graffiti things. It's just amazing to me. How can you do that? You know, Athletic. 
and talented, right? The adrenaline like fuels your creativity. <laughs> and they're right. like, yeah, and it's yeah, man. I could talk about this all day. Yeah, they they have to to like to to frame it too. Like it's something so big on a bridge, right? You're like a, just a couple kids. They gotta make this. Like it's hard to to measure that. You gotta, you gotta know a blueprint for that type of thing. You gotta be able to. There's no way to get on the side of the bridge. You and know, they do it. Standing up above where they're. Paying. That's I what I'm saying. I don't understand how they could do it. Like and you have some kind of like Spider-Man stuff. Exactly. <laughs> it's and just fueling it, you. Yeah, right. And if you don't have a mask on, they're high right now, too. They're probably high on art, literally. Yeah, they're doing a lot of stuff up there. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. For real. For real. So uh, 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 tell me again, Melissa, when when do you expect your, your, uh, your film or movie to actually... Uh, be shown. Yeah, so the goal right now is to get it out Black History Month, so February of next year. That is the goal. February of 22. 2022. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right, okay. Of 22. And, and, and can you repeat what the name of it will be? Yeah, so the name is going to be My Sister's Keeper with a C. C-Y-S-T-E-R. Can you repeat My that? Sister's I'm, I'm having a hard time oh. hearing right now. I like that. It's my my sister's keeper. My sister's keeper. My sister's keeper. Right. Mm -hmm. With a with a play on words for sister to put sis. Um, C Y S T E R. I like that. Clever. I've been calling it MCK. So now I can tell y'all. So when MCK Mm. launches, (laughs) wow, sounds like a makeup brand or something. Yeah, don't it. Yeah. Don't it? <laughs> it would be super cool to do an episode of like a retrospective to have the both, you know, come back on once it releases. Yes. Oh my gosh. Can I cry for the first hour? Is that okay? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Can we do a short clip of it on on our program when it comes out? <clears throat> Come back, when you have a teaser, bro. Yeah, totally come back when you have a teaser, bro. Hey, okay. Yeah, come back every yeah, week. Yeah, show us. Yeah. Also come back <laughs> Sierra's like, no, like, be weak, but then, like, that too. <laughs> I'm like, would you like to stay forever? <laughs> <laughs> I love y'all back. And I didn't know that all of y'all were in different spots. I think that is. Yeah, we've never met. That. Well, well, they've met. I've never met anybody. Yeah, I used to live like on the same person. street as Finest, and <laughs> Sierra have never even been in the same city as. Mm-hmm. I'll be in Chicago. I think so, I'll be in Chicago pretty. I don't know. I know I'll be in Indiana here soon. So maybe in Chicago. I have to hit you up. We're, we're going to do a live episode one day. That would be. That's my hey, dream. Yes. My fucking dream. But. Listen, then we'll all be in the kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> we can make it Yes. How long has the podcast been out? Uh, what is this? 43, 44? This is going to be 40. Well, not counting the one that I don't have access to. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. This is 41. 41. Okay. But we, we've <laughs> skipped some weeks. So yeah, it might, yeah. when, when is our one year? That's where that's coming up real quick. We started our first episode, I think, dropped in September. So we're, September. we're getting close. That's pretty crazy. We'll have to do something important. I, I know. know. Let me, I'm going to find that out actually. Grandpa and look at this! Look at all this talent that came about during the pandemic. I feel like right, that's really cool. appreciating. You did it. Create a space for people to express themselves. Mm-hmm. Now that the world is doing whatever it's doing, I'm in, I feel like the world ended, and we're like 
it's being reborn. We're we're getting Jeez. to that time, but I'd love to do last mm-hmm. thoughts of everybody. Whoever wants to go first. I'll go first. I, I just want to say that I've, I've found this a very interesting uh, podcast and uh, it, it it's uh, it's very uh, encouraging to me to know that that you can basically cure certain ailments just by changing your diet and uh, you know something to really look into uh, it's uh, terrific to, to be able to think you can do that Uh, yeah sure um i really like how your mind works and just you as a person and 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 enjoy um uh yeah i I just enjoy our conversations (laughs) yeah it seemed like something like you you seem like i mean not in general but you seem like it'd be fun to kick it with you and talk a bunch of different stuff and i really enjoy what you're doing and it is very uplifting and it's got me pumped i'm hyped i'm ready to turn this off and make more art. I mean, not that this ain't art, but just like, I'm ready, you know, I'm ready to do my thing. And thank you for coming out here and sharing it. Yes. Yes. Let us, yeah. Let, yeah. Let me know. We're in New York. Yes. Thank you so much. Things. That is so sweet. And absolutely. Same. Same for all of you. Um, my mantra I live by, and I tell everybody this, uh, it's quoted by Steve Harp called uh, Afraid. And I feel like it's important, even though it's so short, because fear is a thing that everybody experiences. They don't talk about it, but people are fearful to express themselves, finding things, to meet people, stuff out there. And then don't be scared as if, no, nah, I'm not scared because you told me don't be scared, right? Like that's that's not real. Like when you're doing something new or innovative, it's can a leap of faith on yourself it's scary but the other part of it is, is do it which is like but did you still upload it did, did you still talk about it did you still submit did you still inquire actions on you right so you can be hella scared but did you still do it and for me living by that 2017 right. in life things that we don't know about are scary but did <laughs> The leap of faith and bet on myself. So I'm sharing that with all of you. Thank you so much. Um, Sierra, your last thought. You have a very pleasing personality and I think it's going to bring you a lot of success. You are. You're literally like one of my favorite guests. I'm always excited when you come on. I was never going to miss this episode because I knew you were going to be here. Um, I'm so glad you're talking about this because it's something between this and like sex ed and all these other different issues that you know young people and eventually you know older people have to deal with because you know initially it's not addressed um it's so important i'm so i'm literally so excited for for your film and for your project and like literally any updates i'm so excited i cannot wait i'm gonna tell everybody about it um i hate your doctor he sucks um (laughs) That that that's not. I'm gonna wake up at like two p- two a.m. just angry at that person again. But that's <laughs> that's that's not the point. This is great. I'm so excited. I'm really really glad that you were able to come on and we were able to do this because I think it was great. Yes. Thank y'all so much yeah. for the support. I'm definitely keeping y'all posted. I'm gonna tag you on it and repost everything like I already do, but like times ten, and yes. uh, keep you on the loop. And hopefully, 
but maybe y'all can come out to the launch. That would be cool. Or maybe I can and talk about it. Yeah. Give I me an excuse cry. to come to Sacramento. Oh, boy. Yeah. Um, gonna, an excuse to leave Illinois. Please. We're going to slide this episode into your doctor's DMs. Um, <laughs> yeah. In Big, in big Dairy. Um, hey. In big Dairy. Brandon, what's your last thoughts? Yeah, brother? Um, I uh, am very grateful for Melissa. This was like one of my favorite episodes we've ever done. You're also one of my favorite guests we've ever had because. I mean, we've joked about it a bunch, but every time you con- come on, that 15 minutes is always like, like, oh, my God, positivity. Like, yes, why am I so, literally. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, <laughs> it's like a, a, a genius talent of yours. Um, and I, I learned a lot. I really enjoyed the conversation. And uh, yeah, I'm just super happy we did this. And I'm super happy we're back. We took like a almost two, whatever, three weeks off. And uh, I missed you guys. Um, yes. And uh, yeah, thank you to Finest. Thank you to Sierra, Grandpa. I love you. Those are my last thoughts. So. I love you, Brandon. And I know you have a birthday coming up around, what is it, the 18th? 29th. 29th. Only halfway. <laughs> um, yeah. But uh, anything. Oh, please um, share where people can find you, Melissa, and all that stuff. We're going to put in the comments too and all that stuff. But. Yeah, for sure. You can follow me at, at Mugongo Entertainment on Melissa underscore Mugongo on Twitter. You can also check out me, um, check out my entertainment.com. Are there any socials or anything for the for mm-hmm. the, like the project page. yet or no? No, yet. Not okay. yet. Cool, cool, cool. We can edit the com or the 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 note I'll, section I'll after the pack. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> we can. We can. So. Whenever. <laughs> Okay. Okay. Sweet. I'll definitely keep y'all posted. Thank y'all so much. And I hope y'all have a wonderful evening. Podcasting with Grandpa Bart and Rosie, always on his shoulder. This is Grandpa and Chill. Grandpa and Chill is brought to you by your hosts, Brandon Fox, Bart Frank, and Finest Jackson. Our producer is Sierra Doss. You can find episodes old and new on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and more. Subscribe to our YouTube channel to watch the show, and follow us on Twitter for behind-the-scenes moments you can't get anywhere else.